Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Happy post-Thanksgiving Emotional Sobriety. I'm here with Alan and Tom, um, especially after the last few months we've had. Um, when the three of us are together and recording, um, I, uh-huh. I just feel a light inside of me. It's, this is awesome. Um, we're going to be talking about gratitude. Um, you know, Thanksgiving's over, but uh, it's still the season. And um, particularly, what aren't we grateful for? And kind of unpacking that and maybe in our absence so, of gratitude. Yeah, you know, I was thinking, Patrick, when you suggested that topic, I was going to suggest one thing you're not grateful for. Oh, yeah? What's that? Yeah, gravity. Yeah. 1,000%. 1,000%. 1,000%. I mean, it would have been nice if when you came off that rock wall, you just floated for a while. Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I used to love this movie with Jim Carrey called The Mask. And the thing with Mm -hmm. The Mask is that he's got all of the uh, capabilities of like uh, your Wiley Coyotes or your Bugs Bunnies. Mm -hmm. So like he would fall out of a building and then the uh, the asphalt would just like turn into elastic and he would just bungee back up after like hitting the ground after five story fall. And I uh, I could have really used some mask powers while I was out there um, in my thwarted (laughs) rock climbing attempt. But um, yeah, Yeah. why don't you update everybody how you're doing physically? Thanks, Alan. Um, I'm uh, hobbling around on one leg, uh, but I have had improvements in my broken nose. Uh, I got the splint off my broken nose. And then um, I would wear like a compressor sock thing on my left broken arm. But I kind of take that off for half the day and like attempt to do, I call it my T-Rex arm because it's kind of like my little weak kind of like forearm mm-hmm. that I uh, can't really do a whole lot. But um, the main thing really is, is just... Uh, it's the walking, you know, and it's like the inability to really put shoes on and uh, to, uh, you know, to drive or kind of like uh, it's there's just no way of getting around it. My life is altered pretty significantly in like the way that I live it for the next uh, chunk of time. And what that does to my mental state is uh, I feel a lot of shame. I, I feel a lot of depression or depression seeps in, um, which I counteract by I do. I've, I've been I've been full steam ahead on my writing project, which I'm trying to finish by the beginning of next year. When I'm in the process of creation, I I, I can kind of get out of that pity party a little bit because like sure. I'm, I'm literally putting something outside of myself that didn't exist before. And then also cleaning lots of dishes and cleaning the bathroom. And, uh, but I guess uh, if there's any lesson in this or I don't know, something to investigate, it's like, I'm not, I can't sit with those thoughts. Like I feel I, I I cannot positively positively reframe sitting here and really like um, fully fully admitting uh, my failure uh, in the face of gravity, <laughs> uh, and uh, and you know I, I, I a wall of sadness falls onto me, and all I seem to be able to do at the moment is just to kind of distract and uh, you know to just not think about it. But uh, in thinking about it, there's just a lot of darkness. I have to admit. You know, one of the things that uh, this brings to mind, too, is I, I, I tell people that most of us have a lead emotion, you know, the, the sort of like being right handed or left handed. It's lead emotion that basically when something happens, we, we go with that one. It goes automatically. Like we, we know people who have anger. Anger is going to be their lead emotion. They're just going to be pissed off first. There may be other feelings that come later other people is fear other people is shame and your your lead emotion from where i'm sitting is shame you know no matter what happens even if even if it's something is is completely outside of your control all of our control is gravity 
you you your lead emotion still comes out as, as a shame message you know and it's like what so the point the, the point of paying attention to what your lead emotion is is to realize that's the that's strangely that's the emotion you're most comfortable with uh and our challenge is to go underneath it and say okay what's if i what if i weren't ashamed what would i be feeling or if i weren't angry right now uh what would i be feeling and it's and uh it, that'll, that'll take us down deeper in there i think sometimes but um I just I just want to say, uh, you know, if, if if it's if it's you versus gravity, you know, I love you, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put my money on gravity every time. Yeah, let's get you uh let's get you some gambling winnings. I wouldn't want you to bet against uh, gambling. But no, Tom, as as and all all of the writing you've done about self hate and like you know working with people, like what do you find is beneath the shame commonly? Well, a lot of a lot of times it's those other emotions that we're not so comfortable with. A lot of times the people who who lead lead with shame are really surprised to find out how fucking pissed off they are, how angry they are about about things that have happened. Because it's like that's well, we you know we we used to I used to hear people say depression is anger turned inward, but you know and maybe in a way it is. But I think shame is anger turned tur turned inward. You know, shame is us attacking ourselves. You know, we talk about that should monster or whatever version of that we have. And, you know, so I, that's what I find when, especially when doing deeper work and experiential kinds of work, it's amazing how, how people you'll see that feelings are layered where, and I'm sure you've seen this, Alan, where somebody is really pissed off and they're going through this stuff and they're screaming and hollering. And then all of a sudden they break down into tears, you know, because they hit this, this deep grief, you know, and they may be processing that for a while. And then they may just start laughing. You know, and and it's like, and everybody else in the room starts laughing, and it's and it's a belly laugh, and you're just realizing you're just you're just going through the layers, you know. And and I think the main main point about the lead emotion thing is, if it makes sense to people, is don't don't stop there, look underneath. If I, you know, my, I have a friend who used to ask that question in therapy. Uh, if, if you weren't feeling this, what would you be feeling? You know, and uh, and he would ex explore things that way, and it's and it. Uh, um, I I knew I knew it was going to be a good technique because it, the first time he ever did it with a client we were working with together I realized I couldn't come up with the answer myself it pissed me off that he did it so I thought okay I gotta gotta I gotta learn this one so yeah well you know what I'm finding when you say that is uh well what, what's underneath my shame for falling um maybe it's just I, it, this is the vernacular that I can find that like I can comfortably express for. I mean, act of God, nature, mm -hmm. you know, just like, I'm just pissed that this happened. And mm -hmm. I re recognize that that's very unreasonable. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know how to but meet this. Yeah, but it's not unreasonable if you look, depending on how you look at it. I mean, it's like it makes everything makes sense. It's like if it's unreasonable if you're if you're pissed and you and you're demanding that nature change, you know, that that would be unreasonable. But the idea that that we, you know, that something happens to us that's outside of our control and that we and that we respond by being pissed off, that seems pretty natural to me you know and 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 i think you know who who among us has, has not been pissed off at god before you know it's like like you know so if this if so if this is if this is your your form of leadership you know what the hell but it's you know it makes sense what you're 
yeah i mean i think you're too quick to to to, to think that it doesn't make sense you we I, I like to look at it that we always make sense so let's just keep looking for how it makes sense and it doesn't mean you're it's not about being right or wrong it doesn't mean i'm right about this or wrong about this it's just if, if i'm feeling something i can explain it if i look close enough yeah you know patrick what came in mind when you were talking about this whole thing i mean i i'm right with where tom is coming from on it the first thought i had was this was a confrontation with your limitations. Yes. See, you thought that you'd be able to manage climbing that wall, that rock wall, without any problem. So, you know, you wouldn't have started it if you thought, hey, I'm going to fall. You obviously had confidence in your abilities to manage the situation. <laughs> well, who amongst us has not had confidence in our ability to handle something only to realize Oh my God, you know, I've, I've, this is a real problem. This is a real problem that I put myself in a very difficult position, yeah. right? So the first thing that comes up is this is a confrontation with your limitations. Hmm. You realize that you can't do anything that you just choose to do. And that's a hard thing for the part of us that, that wants to claim special status in this world and that, you know, we can fly. I can fly, I can fly. I remember Peter Pan, right? The mm -hmm. kids wanted to fly, right? Now, if somebody was able to sprinkle some fairy dust on you before you did that, you might have had a chance of flying. Mm -hmm. But there was no Tinkerbell mm -hmm. around. Let me, let me tell you yeah. something about fear, though. Um, I, When I was at the height of my uh, addiction and alcoholism, um, I was renting a series of rooms across Los Angeles uh, and just kind of hiding, try, attempting to hide how much of a drug addict I was. And I remember when I would rent these rooms and be living amongst and with with it, around other people, I would sometimes, I would turn my phone on silent and I would uh, lay in bed, bottle around somewhere, and I would attempt to be as quiet as possible so that nobody could hear that I existed. Um, and I would not uh, be called upon to kind of, uh, to, to, uh, to do the human uh, interaction game. Mm -hmm. And just, uh, I was so afraid of being in the world of being seen that I was just paralyzed. I was being, it was being a dark room. And I just wouldn't uh, go anywhere or do anything. And that was, that was my relationship to fear. And in recovery, there's been a scaling up and up and up and kind of like a meeting of the things that before I uh, used to just, uh, I would, I would just not be able to do, I would not be able to have certain conversations or take, take certain challenges and so i guess here's my my anger is that like meeting this limitation i'm getting a reminder of like oh wait no some fears are valid yeah <laughs> so. well it's that right and it look you you learned that that there is a limitation you'll never mm -hmm. do what you just did again i guarantee it you will never put yourself in that situation like you have right now never mm -hmm. You know, no. so that's the other part of this thing is that, you know, as Tom said, we go into the past and learn as much of it as we can. And then we get the hell out of there. So rehashing it and beating ourselves up is not going to get anywhere. But paying attention to what you're learning does. And no. there's a big lesson in this, man. Big lesson. It's a costly lesson. But I'll tell you, man, the costlier the lesson, the 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 more. We're lucky we're going to remember it too. The it's greater like, yeah, the lesson, yeah. man. The costlier the lesson, the greater the lesson. I mean, yeah. this is a this is a stark reminder of that we need to pay attention to 
once again, we'll come back to emotional sobriety. Emotional sobriety is an appropriate and honest relationship to reality. Right. Which a, which in, which includes realistic fears, like you said. There are exactly, there are, there are absolutely healthy fears. If yeah. I'm gonna if I'm gonna climb that wall, I'm gonna get belayed. Mm-hmm. You know, or make sure that there's one of those you know fall pads down below that's mm-hmm. gonna catch me if I come off the wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah I want to I want to I want to emphasize something you just said though, Alan. It's, it's just in in the bigger picture because were you I can't I don't think we can say this enough on this podcast is spending spending i can't remember your exact words but spending time uh condemning ourselves beating ourselves up for for falling short in these things is a complete waste of time it's like it's not about it's not about debating am i right or am i wrong it's a matter of you know like my my response i think i've I've shared in here before to my should monster is you know i don't care if you're right about every horrible thing you're saying to me about you're not you're not helping you know, there's no, there's is absolutely counter. It's not, it's not, right. not just not productive. It's counterproductive, uh, counterproductive to be putting that energy into there. And so like, so, you know, if I, if I'm, if I'm convinced I'm an idiot, then my job is to figure out how I can be a little bit less of an idiot, you know, in, 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 in the next 24 hours. And, uh, and I can grow that way. And the other thing yeah. is I want to, I, I want to say to the listeners out there, I, I just wonder how many can identify with Patrick's description of of working on of literally working on becoming invisible. Yeah. I right. God, I, I have I, I have worked with so many people. Yeah. I've worked with people who are involuntarily invisible. That basically they would t- say that I had a friend that was just he would be invisible in, in his family all the time and therefore he got invisible. I remember one time because I'm so damn visible in my life, it's like uh I said, man, I wish I had that. And he looked at me and he said, No, you don't, Tom. This is a pain. This is a this is a painful experience, but I've also known people who've tried to do what Patrick did. It's just like if I, you know, and of course it's 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 a, it's, it's fear, but it's also shame. It's like you know, I'll just try not to exist. You know, it it and, and a lot of people have, have have done that and try that. Yeah, I mean, well, I just reached a point where um, if I didn't exist anymore, I would be dead. So I had to kind yeah. of start start turning the needle the other way. And uh, right. I I hope that process will continue. I'm going to work on continuing that process. Um, well, and then the other thing I was going to say to you, Patrick, I think a deeper emotion right now is grief. You've lost something, man. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the other part is that when you beat yourself up, you don't give yourself a chance to grieve the loss. There's a mm-hmm. loss here, man. There's a loss of your mobility. You were talking before we get on. You know, you're aching, you're dying for a shower, a hot shower. Right now, there's a loss of being able to do, to take a shower. Mm -hmm. So you have lost mobility in your life. And that's a big, big loss. Just like anybody that goes through some kind of an experience, an illness or an injury that results in some kind of an impairment or, or restriction um in their life they experience a a lot of grief around it and most people don't give themselves space to feel the grief it's Mm. almost like i don't have a right to feel this grief since i self-impose this injury on myself you know and it's not true you still get to grieve that loss you have a significant loss here you were cruising baby 
There's no cruising going on right now. There's a lot of limping going on. There's a lot of, and like you said, you can't even get in a car and drive yourself somewhere right now. I mean, that's a huge restriction. You've lost well, a lot the, right now, man. The other, the other loss we've already we've already spoken to, but we need to, we need to also label that loss as well. Is it's is and and you'll get this throughout your life when you talk about uh, being faced with your limitations. I promise you, as you go through life, you're going to hit that again and again and again. Right. Sometimes it's just going to be because we got to wake up and realize that we're we're being we're too, being too grandiose and not thinking this stuff through and not being wise enough to do that. Then later, when you get older, you, you, there are just things that you can't do that you used to be able to do. It's it's it, you you know you lose you, you so that the I, the you know a little bit of your omnipotence you know you you lost it. Yeah. It, you know, it, and it's right a good on. it's ultimately a good thing because yeah. that's more realistic yeah. and you're and it's maturing and growing emotionally so, sober but it's like it still hurts it's still it's still hard on thursday uh, at the workshop we were discussing uh, gratitude and things that we are not grateful for but then mm-hmm. uh, we were we were then looking at those ingratitudes in in the terms of well, what does that then make me more grateful for and I suppose in my infirmity, um, I'm just recognizing all the things that I took for granted before, right. certain mobilities that I do still have, and thanking my lucky stars. I mean, believe me, I, I there's a lot of self-pity, but also gratitude for um, you know, that that hand that hand that I can still use to write yeah, or to, right. you know, uh, Well, and that listen, man, the 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 other thing I'm grateful for with you is that you didn't sustain a a serious traumatic brain injury i mean because that was a realistic possibility that if you would have fallen just a little differently than you fell you know you could have seriously impaired yourself and those things but your leg's going to heal the brain heals too man but sometimes not not the way that it was before and so there 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 is that to be grateful for but but let's talk about this other topic that Tom and I mm-hmm. kind of resonated to when you said what are we not grateful for it's very important as we do this work to not turn ourselves into saints mm-hmm. i i remember I, I used to do these workshop with teresa taduri i love her she's an amazing person and um very you know just very very evolved individual and in fact she was a songstress for marianne williamson for many many years you know um and teresa i remember we used to do these workshops it was called the unfolding self and we did a series of these things in redondo beach they were just they're amazing and she would come in and she's a great singer songwriter and she'd perform her songs relevant to the topic of the time but I remember one time she was talking about, you know, that in her work with Marianne Williamson, um, she says, I got to the point where I, I felt like I was so spiritual that I would forgive you before you even did something to me. <laughs> <laughs> and she said it kind of got a little absurd at one point in times. So it's like I started to feel like I was lose, losing my humanity. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that I want to say to people, you don't have to do any of this stuff perfectly in fact you've got to create space to do it imperfectly so you Mm -hmm. need to rage and get angry and to be upset about what you did and go through that to get to what tom was saying to the other side of it which is going to be acceptance 
But you got to first start with your lack of acceptance. I hate this. I hate that I'm going through this. This shouldn't have happened to me. I should have been smarter than this. And the rant and rage about that as much as you need to. And if you do it enough, what we say is you can't know what is enough until you know what is more than enough. Yeah. You can't, well, you know, that's perfect. And and the idea is, is you said earlier, part of, part of our definition for emotional sobriety is just, is just congruence or perception or congruence with reality. If the reality is, you know, like, like I, I told y'all the, the first time I was back and talked about this stuff about, with my cancer treatment is, and you all, you all were, you all were saying, praising me and saying what, what, what inspirational things I said. I got, I heard from lots of people, inspirational things I said as before the treatment began. And, you know, and I, I, I felt really good. I, I'm, I'm proud to say I felt really good about this, like, telling you, no, none of that, none of that, that held up true. at all. No. I mean, I'm not, right. I'm not being, I'm not being, you know, uh, I'm not being, trying to be humble or anything like that. No, it fell apart. I just hated every every bit of it. I, I was I was upset with it. I felt horrible. I felt sorry for myself. You know, I felt I felt alone, crap, everything. And it's like you know, and I wasn't at that time. I wasn't sitting around, you know, going, "Wow, I'm glad I'm feeling this stuff because it's so so close to re reality that I must be emotionally sober." You know, if you'd asked me about emotional sobriety at any one of those times, I would have just said, "Fuck you." You know, I don't care what emotional sober, what does that even mean? You know, and it's like, but coming through the whole thing, it's like, and then being able to come back to, to you guys and, you know, and say, no, this is what my experience was. You know, that feels good. You know, I'm not misrepresenting, you know, because I mean, my God, I've spent a lot of time in my, my younger life misrepresenting myself to, you know, to be acceptable to other people or, or to, or to even be, you know, beyond acceptable to other people. And it's like, it's really, really good just to go, nope, didn't have that, you know, and I, and I love this, this, what we're not grateful for, because immediately when I hear the topic, it becomes a challenge, you know, it, it really is a confrontation. You know, because because I can say I'm not really, you know, if, if you say, are you really grateful for the, what you're going through with the, all this cancer treatment? Tom, go like right now, I go like, if I'm really honest today, I'm not feeling grateful for it. You know, I, I intellectually, I got it. You know, I understand this, you know, this is a teacher and I'm a student. I'm doing all that stuff. But, uh, you know, it's like sometimes I'll have the experience of gratitude with this stuff. But sometimes the best I can do is just intellectually hold on to it. Do you guys find that you are more comfortable or maybe comfortable is the wrong word, but are you, is your relationship with grief a little more healthy and evolved than it once was? Um, it's one of my hardest things to do, you know, like I observing my aunt when my uncle passed, um, the way that she was, uh, was able to cry and allow herself to really like be come into full confrontation with like the gravity of the loss that she'd experienced. Like, I looked at that like it was Superman lifting up a bus, you know, like I, um, I, I only know I, most of my life I've run away or I've tried to medicate those feelings. I'm terrified of them. And I guess I, I, the way that I've evolved is that I, I know that that's not doing me any favors, that attitude. And that that is something that I need to work on. I don't know. I'm, I'm very much not on the, on the other side or at a, um, what I think is a healthy place with my relationship to grief, but I just wanted to throw that out there because uh, I thought it was very important what you guys brought up. Well, I think experience matters, you know, and I think, you know, as, the longer you live, the more experience you're going to have with grief. Um, 
So when you asked that question, the answer was immediately, yes, I'm much, I'm much better, much more comfortable with it. I'm much more familiar with it at this point than I was when, when I was younger. And, and I don't, you know, and I don't know that, it's, you know, I'm sure it's a lot of things I've learned along the way, but I think there's a lot of it's just experience and, and your awareness, the, the your awareness that you, you, you that you don't have you're not where you want to be with it but you you have you have some sense of where you want to go i mean i think that's part of what will take you there alan and i are at the age where we've lost a, a lot of friends uh um j just through natural um attrition and uh and it's um and that's and and as far as I know, as long as we're we're still he and I are still alive, we're, we're you know that's just going to keep increasing because because that's that's the age we're at, and it's like it's um, I don't know, it, it, yeah, it does it makes me quite familiar, almost close to grief sometimes. Well, look, it's one of these things again, as as you were saying, Tom. See, when I allow myself to grieve, it means I've accepted a limitation. Yeah. I've, I've accepted a part of my humanity mm -hmm. that, you know, part of the, the human existence is for us to experience loss. Mm -hmm. There's like Tom said, there's no, there's no avoiding that. Mm -hmm. But see, in my mind, if I've got this thing, first of all, that I can't handle it, I'm going to try to do everything in the world to avoid it. And that's what we see. Ha that's what I've seen happen so much with, and even in my own life, the, the tendency to avoid is so great. And what we're doing is avoiding ourselves. We're avoiding our experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it goes back to this thing that always has resonated to me. And I'm understanding it at deeper and deeper levels in my life today and what I'm going through and what I'm, experiencing with like you tom and roger and all of us that are confronting these existential crises that we're that we're having at this point in time even you patrick now that you've joined the club by the way mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um that you know is that virginia satir said something once she says when i'm really struggling with something i make a big circle and i put myself in the middle and i start asking myself questions like what part of my problem is created by my expectations? What part of my problem is created by the meaning I'm giving to this experience I'm having? Mm -hmm. What part of my problem is, is based on, and this is the one that always echoed deeply to me, is based on my lack of faith in my ability to grow and cope. Say that what, again. Yeah, what again. part of my problem right now is caused by my lack of ability to have faith in my ability to cope and to grow with this experience. Wow. And I'll yeah. tell you, I, I, I think that's been the bottom line to almost every situation I've confronted mm -hmm. in my life that's, mm -hmm. that's had any kind of major significance like the right. life events that we're talking about right here. You know, we're not talking about scratching a knee here. We're talking about significant existential confrontation with reality for all of us and it sucks it mm -hmm. sucks at times man i hate it i don't want to do this and then the other part of me knows that i there's no way of not doing it if i don't do it then it's going to be worse see that's the thing i have learned that i either pay the price now or later i mean there's right. no avoiding you know paying that price i'm gonna cross that toll bridge at some point man
And the sooner I can cross it, the sooner I can pay the toll, the more I can integrate this experience and develop some emotional wisdom from it. Right. You know, we can't control what's going to happen to us, but we can sure have a big influence on how we process it and, 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 and what we do with that experience. Yeah, And when you talk about paying the price, I also want to make the point that, that, you know, with the, with the broader perspective, when you pan back to look at that, it's, it's, you're going to get, you're going to get what you pay for. And it's, and, and, and it's, yeah. it's good stuff. You're going to, yeah, you, gonna... you sound like my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> You, but the truth is, it's not just a price we pay. That's a no. that's a negative thing. It's, no. it's it feels that way. But yeah. I think you're, you're, what we're talking about that's now, right. I want to go. To, I want to go to something because I think we need to emphasize this as often as we can. Also, when you start, we started talking about not being saints, like like you were talking about, uh, Alan. Is I think having a realistic expectation about what emotional sobriety, you know, is for any one of us as a human being. It's important. And I think one of the places where we where we get confused a lot, people get confused a lot, is with the, the whole idea of acceptance. And I, I mean, it's like I, I, I sometimes have I, I think this I, I'm so clear on this, I sometimes forget to stop and say it. And that is let's reemphasize acceptance does not have anything to do with liking what's happening because a lot of times to talk about expectations, people will compare themselves to others and think, well, if I'm accepting then I'm cool with this, it's like, yeah. no, no. If I'm accepting it, I'm also accepting the fact that I'm not cool with it, but, it, but it's like, it's still, I still something I cannot change. You know, and, and and it was you know I may I may come cooler with it as, as time goes on, but the idea is acceptance is not you know the only reason we have to work on acceptance is because we don't like this thing. It's like it's not it's, it's you know if somebody if, if somebody brings me some nice gift, I don't you know it's not really hard for me to accept it. I just I just like it, you know. But but if life brings us these harsh gifts, accepting this 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 is a challenge. And and we don't we don't wait around to be okay with it. We 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 just get realistic and go. There's nothing I can do about this, or you know I'm. Or and like, and I hate it. And I hate it. And I hate it. it. And I hate it. And I see that. Roger step. does. Roger does it all the time when somebody when somebody is is, is saying you know I, I I don't want I don't want to come to I don't want to go to meetings I don't want to do the meetings and he said he said okay well accept that you know and and it, it, it throws people off you know it's like. Except, except that you don't want to go to the meetings. You know that's you know you can and you can, he, he, you know he leaves open the idea. Your choice is to go to the meeting or not go to the meeting. You can do that. But if your if your reality is you really don't want to go, and in my experience, you know when we talk about the multiplicity of our mind, if you want to if you want if I want to talk to if somebody is saying I don't want to do something, if I want to talk to another part of that person that actually thinks it might be a good idea to do it, I need to listen to the one who's talking to me who says they don't want to do it. Yes, right you know, on. A lot of times, a lot of times, I don't even have to do a thing. I they, I can just say, just you know, sit in that chair and, and and voice that, do all that stuff, and they'll interrupt themselves. Yes, and say, well, wait a minute, there's another way of looking at it, and it's like, and that's the other go. part of him. See, mm -hmm. and you can, that other part can't come from the background of our consciousness until we let the first figure come forward. See, it's it's, right. a, it's it's a gestalt thing. It's it's that until you allow the first image to take complete form, you can't replace it with a second image. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen. It becomes an incomplete gestalt. And so it's going to be unfinished. 
But as soon as you declare and own the first one, see, this is the paradoxical theory of change. Like mm -hmm. Tom says, now another part of you can come forward and object to that or have a different point of view because mm -hmm. we're not just of one mind. We're of multiple you know, selves, right? We're a population mm -hmm. of self. This was really illustrated. And I, I don't know if I ever shared this, uh, this with you, Tom, but th there's a, a father and daughter psychology psychologists um, up in um, Santa Barbara. Um, they have, I think it's called the Glendon um, Institute. And what they did is they wanted to, to understand suicide. Mm -hmm. And so what they did is they interviewed the survivors that um, attempted to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge for suicide. Mm -hmm. I'm forgetting the number of survivors there was, but I think in the before they put up the suicide nets, there was something like 380 attempts. And let's just say for I don't remember the number, let's say 29 survived the fall. Mm -hmm. And they interviewed them independently so that there was no um, confounding right of yeah. influencing one mm -hmm. one interview with another right so this was a naturalistic experience or experiment that people they got to follow up and see what happens in this situation every one of those survivors said the same thing that the minute that well they this is what they said there was no doubt in their mind that suicide was their best option they felt that they wanted the pain to stop. They were a burden to other people, that it was just time to end this thing, that it was over, that there was no hope, right? Mm -hmm. They were 100%, what they call it, the anti-self convinced mm -hmm. them 100% that this was your their best alternative to coping with the feelings that they were having. Mm -hmm. They were... 100% convinced when they stood on top of that rail to jump that this was the right thing to do. 100% of them, the minute they leapt from that bridge mm -hmm. and started the descent towards the water, now the other part of them that wanted to live came mm -hmm. into the foreground because the gestalt was completed from the other one. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was like, now I acted, I committed suicide. I just mm -hmm. leapt from the bridge. Mm -hmm. And now the part of them that says, what am I doing? <laughs> Came mm -hmm. forward. And as they're falling, they're going, oh my God, this was a mistake. Mm -hmm. it, it just proves our theory about these this multiple self theory, mm -hmm. right? That right. we're not of one mind, but that until we own completely what one part of us is doing, the other part of us can't come in and have an opinion. It's like the right. guy that says, I don't want to stop drinking. I say, great. Tell me all the reasons you don't want mm -hmm. to stop. Right. Then I, I have him go into that for a period of time. And then I say to him, now, as you're saying that, is there any part that's listening to you that disagrees with you? Yeah. Is there any part and see, that's what we got to go. So right now, yes, there's a part of you that I hate what's I'm going through and you got to own that other stuff. There's okay. going to be another part of you because of the work you've been doing on yourself, Patrick, that's going to come forward just like it is in my life, yep. you know, with this situation I'm dealing with, you know, with the divorce and, and the betrayal and all of that that's gone on in my life and with the children and the damage that's that's done. This has been a hell of a ride. You know, but there's another part of me. I don't want to be doing any of this. And there's another part of me that is wanting to show up and, and do the best I can to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Just like I hear it in Tom, just like I'm, 
I'm hearing it in you, even though you don't mm -hmm. even hear it yet, maybe, but yeah. I can hear yeah. that it's taking place in you. Yeah. All the most beautiful things in my life have come about. The most profound things have come about because of my acceptance of realities that right. prior I didn't want to accept. And it's like learning. I'm, I'm right-handed. It's like learning to write with my left hand. You know, it's so mm -hmm. counterintuitive to me. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, re relating to your recent experiences, Alan, um, I know this is like the peewee version, but um, I, there was a breakup I went through um, before I got sober where I, I had, I felt like an, an organ was cut out of me. Like I just felt so um, uh, heartbroken and incomplete and just like, um, and, and, and my misery was prolonged as for as long as I would not accept that um, or really like could not find a way to give voice to my grief. And mm -hmm. I do feel that I've come forward from that or I'm in a different place. I'm sure I'll suffer future heartbreaks, but um that was that for me was like the beginning of my understanding of like and uh, wow the no, concept no, right, of on, right on right on listen beautiful. i'm going i'm going through that now you know i'm back here in southern california this last week with my girls and visiting my eldest daughter my eldest child uh, danielle with her my two grandchildren and you know we've done a lot of things that i used to do with jess here with the girls and so there's a real sorrow, man. At the same time, I'm loving it and enjoying it. and But there's a sadness, you know, there's something missing in this right now. It's not the family that we had. It's a very different right. experience at this point. And so it's a mixed bag for me at this point. Well, yeah, what we're talking about is beware, beware of our mentality of either or. Because yeah, we, we have right. that so much in our in our in our world. If, if I am I, am I do I feel this way? Or do I feel that way? Do I think this or do I think that? And when we have that mentality, what happens is like we, what you're saying, Alan. The first voice that speaks usually gets 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 all the all the airtime, you yeah. know. But if we actually we actually can change that, we can actually kind of make that a, a difference at a, at a policy level in our own mind to say, you know, it's always more than one. And so, so we can create a curiosity within ourselves to go looking for the other voices. You know, what else is, what else is in there? Cause I, and you've probably seen this, Alan, I noticed after I, we do this work with somebody for a while, you know, they start doing it quite naturally. It's not, you know, it's, it's because it, it really, it's really an accurate way of looking at our, 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 our mind is the fact that it's, it's multiple. So if we could just teach people don't, you know, you don't stop with the first voice. You know, yeah. and, they use, and usually the first voice is often or very often the first voice is is not good. Right. You know, I would say the, sh the shortcut to, to the work I do with multiplicity is first voice, not me. Second voice is me. And the, the second voice really is just rather begins with whether I agree or disagree with the first voice. You know, this this is this is impossible. And, I, and I, there's no way I can get through it. OK, what do you think, Tom? Well, I think it's really hard and it's going to be really hard to get to it. Okay. Now we're in a better, we're already in a better place. There we go. That's right. Yep. Well, what a great show today was guys. This is uh, unexpected. Yep. Huh? It's kind of flowing with what is, isn't it? I love it. Yeah. Thanks for letting me uh, bleed a bit about my recent experiences. Hey, uh, it was, you're welcome. And it was, I think it's good for the, it was good for the whole, the, the whole process. And I, I think, I think in, 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 in listeners are going to benefit from it. Yeah, me too, Patrick. But hey, it, it wasn't all bad. I got to uh, take a helicopter ride 
Uh, they dangled me from the bottom of the helicopter. Yeah, we like, saw. Uh, I saw the pic. I saw the picture. Oh, I didn't see that picture. You guys oh, sent oh, me that one. Oh, oh yeah. He's very. He's very small in the picture because he, he's he's being he's he's on a stretcher going up into the oh, helicopter. Yeah. I've, I've seen those. Those, yeah, I was gonna say lifts. you're very familiar with the with these airlifts. It's it's like uh I told Patrick I think that should be his Christmas card. Yeah. <laughs> if only if only they could have put like a Santa hat on me, then I think we'd be cooking. But uh happy Thanksgiving yeah. and uh until next time. Tinge your life, tinge your myth, cultivate your narrative wherever you